morning. Today you are celebrating our great God with billions of people around the world. Isn't that amazing? That is an awesome thing that today God has made a day for us to be able to celebrate. And we are here today and I am thankful that you chose to show up and be a part today. Um, I want to draw your attention out in the foyer. We have the New Journey magazines. We want to make sure if you have not grabbed one, make sure you grab one. It gives you a lot of information about upcoming activities. It gives you faith stories of people. Um, and even some of the different ministries around, you're going to see some of the, the different highlights of what's, what's happened, what's going on. And so maybe you'll even see your picture in there. And so I want to uh, make sure you pick that up on your way out today. And if you would like to download it, I think you can also download it instead and have a digital copy if you don't want a hard copy as well. All right. Matthew chapter 17 is where we're going today. Let me ask you a question. If we could take a bench, put it in one of the most serene settings, the mountains, in a beautiful springtime temperature, a great pond that over you're sitting in, on the bench and overlooking, who would you want to sit with? Somebody from the past. Some historical figure that you have never met. Somebody that you would like to sit, say, we're going to give you four hours, and you get four hours to spend time sitting on a bench talking with this person. Who would it be? Jesus, there's a Sunday school answer. Good job. We're in church. You get an A. <laughs> all right. Good job. Who would it be? Think through it. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of... The hard part is you'd, you say a name and then all of a sudden you start thinking of another name. And then you think of another name. But you get one person to sit around and talk to. Would it be Paul? Would it be Peter? James or John? Who, who would it be? Maybe you go to the Old Testament and you start thinking about the Old Testament. And you, you look at all the different characters. Maybe it'd be Ruth or maybe Esther. Maybe it would be one of the great prophets, Isaiah or Jeremiah. Or maybe it would be David. You want to you meet the warrior king. Maybe it's Daniel, Josiah. Maybe it would be Joseph. Maybe it would be Abraham. Maybe it would be Adam. I don't know who it would be. Maybe you'd say, you know what, those are all great people, but I would really, I would rather meet somebody a little bit more recent. Maybe it's somebody like George Washington. Maybe for some of you, you would say, you know what, it's not George Washington. It would be more like uh, um, Charles Spurgeon. Maybe it would be Winston Churchill. Who would it be? Today we get to read and we get to study and we get to look at not some science fiction story, But you actually get to see two people, heroes of the past, heroes, legends, if you will, actually reappear. They have been dead, they have been gone, and now they reappear and they show up. And they're actually somebody you can talk to. It's not some figment of imagination. This is a real true event where they show up from the past and they start talking and interacting. It's a Mount of Transfiguration. It's an incredible story. So who would they be? Today we're going to be talking about, and we're going to be getting into a new series called Increase My Faith. Increase My Faith. And I entitled it that way because faith is something that we all strive for. And hopefully as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, we're hoping that God would truly continue to work on our faith and strengthen our faith so that we live and do and we become what God has called us to be. But the weird thing about faith is that faith is such a strange word. Now, we know the definition that it's supposed to be out of Hebrews chapter 11, that faith is the evidence of things not really seen, right? It's, that's, 
we're putting our trust in something that we haven't fully seen. We haven't seen God, but yet we know that God created the universe, is what it says in verse 3. So it's that faith in something we haven't fully seen. Words such as faith are hard to define, and it's hard to even put in because everybody has their perspective. I came across some words that I, I thought were pretty humorous that they gave a, a funny definition to. And it shows us the idea of how it's hard to define words. One of the words that they used was adult, and they gave this definition. An adult is a person who has stopped growing at both ends and is now growing in the middle. Antique. Definition for antique. It's an item your grandparents had bought, your parents got rid of, and now you're buying again. (laughs) How about experience? The name men give to their mistakes. Grocery list. What you spend half an hour writing and then you forget to take it to the store. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Man, that's frustrating. All right, you golfers, you ready? Misty. How golfers create divots. <laughs> Misty, I love that. All right, um, top bunk. The top bunk is where you should never put a child wearing Superman pajamas. Man, I had two younger brothers. That top bunk was awesome. I remember jumping off of it, doing tricks off of it, doing flips and trying to do different creative things. It was awesome. And then watching your brothers try to do the same thing, and they were younger, it always ended funny. I mean, you had a good laugh. Vegetarian, that's an old Indian word for bad hunter. That's pretty good. So here we are, defining faith. I want my faith to grow. I want my faith to increase. And as a believer and as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want your faith to grow. And here's what Jesus is doing. He's six months away. Six months away from dying on the cross. Six months away from being resurrected and gone. He is about to leave the disciples as the leaders of this incredible movement. Can you imagine the thought? You've spent only two and a half years. Have you ever tried to really, truly help somebody and disciple them or maybe mentor them or, or to train somebody to do your job and in two and a half years, you're going, okay, now just take over, do it. And you're expecting a movement. You're expecting a world-changing movement to actually start with these guys. And Jesus is about to step off and here's what he needs. He needs to finish off. He's given them all kinds of experiences. Now he's needing to finish off. And he's, he has to make sure that their foundation and their faith is secure and ready to go. Because we understand faith. Faith is not based on things that we can't see. But it's based on who? It's, it's based on Jesus Christ. He is a foundation of our faith. And so here's what he's doing. He's, he's putting them into an experience to really stretch and shape And work through their faith. Because in chapter 16 we ended last week. Where Jesus told them. Hey guys. I'm the Messiah. But I'm not the Messiah that's coming to to set up my earthly kingdom. I'm not coming to overthrow the Romans. I'm coming. And I'm going to suffer. He just shattered their expectations. So now here's what Jesus is doing. He now has to rebuild. Because their faith has been shaken. So now he's going to reshape their faith. And so here's what we're going to do. Hopefully over the next couple of weeks as we walk through this chapter, my prayer is this. My prayer is that your faith will become secure. Your faith will become strong. That your faith will increase as you read Matthew chapter 17. Would you stand for the reading of God's word?
Matthew chapter 17, here's what the Bible says, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking with them, and behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their face, and they were terrified. But Jesus came, and he touched them, and he said, Rise, have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say the first, that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him. But did to him whatever they please, so also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your blessings. God, what an amazing thought to be able to celebrate with believers all around this world. We want to say thank you. Thank you for the greatness. Thank you for being almighty. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for never leaving us alone. Today we celebrate you and we say thank you. I ask that now that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, I pray that you would continue to move and minister and speak. And I pray in this moment that God, you would remove distractions and I pray that you would help us to hear from you. Open our ears. Give us the ears to hear so that, Father, we would know that we've heard from you. And then I pray truly. You would give us the courage. Pour into our lives. I pray the Holy Spirit would empower us and infuse us with your, your, your supernatural power to actually implement what we've heard. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So here's what we have. We have Jesus taking his disciples up on the side of a mountain. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him, and he takes Peter, James, and John. Now, Matthew, throughout his gospel, he does not like to talk about the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. All the other gospels talk about the inner circle more, but typically Matthew, I guess maybe he felt left out or something, I'm not really sure why, but he never talks about it except at this one point, all right? So he he gets a little offended, maybe, or something. He just, this is the only time he signifies the inner circle, and these guys begin to go up the mountain. Now, Matthew says that six days, when you look over in Luke, in Luke's account of this event, Luke actually says there's eight days. So, oh no, people might want to throw up saying, well, the Bible has errors. We, we just got to throw the whole thing out, right? Well, here's what I, let's just talk about that for a second. So one, one guy said six, one guy says eight. Um, there's different ways of counting, and let me just explain. I like the fact that this, uh, this actually shows the human side of the Bible, that there are actually human writers writing. And here's my explanation of what's going on, and this follows along with uh, an illustration. If I were to tell you that in five days... Our kids get out of school for spring break. When would you start counting the five? Do you count today as one, Monday as two, Wednesday, 
Does that make sense? Monday, Tuesday, you start one on today. Or would you start tomorrow? So Monday would become one, Tuesday becomes two, Wednesday becomes three, and then you end on Friday. Which day would you start with? It changes for each person, doesn't it? Okay, so Matthew's a tax collector, so he always likes to skim a little bit, right? That's what tax collectors do. And then you got Luke, who's a, uh, he's a physician, so he's got to get all the details in. So here's what you have. You have... One person starting the counting the day after, and then you have one person counting the day that you're currently in, and then counting the day that it actually begins. Does that make sense? So you add the two days, and that's how you end up getting. That's my, my perspective. If you want to challenge it, you're welcome to come up with any idea that you have and figure it out yourself. But either way, it doesn't change the story. we got six days. So what are six days from? Six days are from the events what we had in chapter 16, where Jesus just said to the disciples, I am going to die on a cross. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die, and I'm going to suffer, and then I will be raised again. So we continue on, and it says, they went up a high mountain by themselves. Now, the question becomes, where was this mountain? There's a lot of debate back and forth. Some people say it was in southern part of Israel, um, Mount Tabor. Others will say, no, it was actually right here in Caesarea Philippi. It was Mount Hermon. Others will say it's a lot of other places. My preference is that they actually... We're still in Caesarea Philippi because that's what's happening in, in um, chapter 16. So they just stayed there. They went up the mountain. There's a lot of mountains right there in that area. So they just stayed right there in that area. But again, you can find it out, figure it out yourself, and figure, see what mountain you think it actually happened on. All right. So not really sure which mountain exactly because it doesn't name the mountain. Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the story either way. So here we go. They get on top of the mountain. There's three of them. And then Jesus, so there's four. And it says, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white. I love this simple story, and I love how amazing it is about who Jesus is. There's all kinds of debates. Is Jesus real? Is Jesus really the Son of God? And here's what begins to happen. As they get up, all of a sudden, Jesus, you're glowing. Jesus, something's on your face. Well, wait a minute, and all of a sudden you begin to look, and, and what's going on is light is coming out of his face. And not only light coming out of his face, he's becoming light, and it's going through his clothes. Now follow along. God, all throughout Scripture, when you see God, when you see his essence, it's actually a bright light. In heaven, will there be a sun? There will be no sun. Why? Because God is the light. And in this moment, what begins to happen is this, is that Jesus, although he is God, he came in human form, in flesh, and so his divinity was covered with flesh. And in this moment, as they begin to talk, his flesh is actually, the curtains kind of peeled back, and you get a glimpse of his divinity, of who he really is. People say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. He just shows you right here in this moment. He is God. He becomes the very essence. It's, it's very different than Moses going up on the side of the mountain. Moses goes up on top of the mountain, and he receives the Ten Commandments. You remember this? He receives the Ten Commandments, and when he comes down the mountain, what happens to his face? His face is glowing, right? Because he's been in the presence of God. His face is glowing, and it becomes so distracting that people say, hey, Moses, when you get in God's presence and your face begins to glow, would you at least cover yourself? Put a veil over it because it's, it's too distracting. Moses was reflecting God's glory, Jesus in this moment is actually demonstrating who he is. His essence is illuminating all around. And people, the disciples are going, whoa, 
What is going on? He begins to radiate. In the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory of God, when God's presence actually showed up, it came down in the form of fire, and it came down in the form of, of light. Remember when Solomon made the prayer in the tabernacle, and they dedicated the tabernacle? And after he prayed, the fire came down, and God's glory filled the temple so much, and it was so thick, and it was so bright, that the priests couldn't even minister in the presence. So here's Jesus, and he begins to radiate, and the light is coming through the pores of his clothes, so that it looks like his clothes are lighting up, like a Christmas tree or something. And here he is, he's, he's bright, and they're going, this is strange. And then two people pop up. You're out on the mountainside on a, have you ever been on a hike, and two strangers just show up? That's kind of weird, right? It's like deliverance all over. It's like, you don't want that. And so here you go. you got two, two guys, and you're not even sure who they are. They show up, and as they come in, you're going, whoa, this is, where'd you come from? What are you doing? And they're glowing too. Now, imagine Peter and then the sons of thunder. These are not some passive guys. All of a sudden, you get two aggressive, uh, three aggressive guys who have short tempers, and all of a sudden, Weird people start showing up, and they're all glowing. You better believe these guys are ready for a fight. Let's do something. Let's rumble. Let's do something. So these guys show up, and they begin to talk. Now imagine the moment with me for just a second. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Moses. It's good to see you. Ah, Elijah. It's been a long time, and there's hugs. There's talks. There's, there's all kinds of conversation happening right here. What an amazing thing. And, and Luke tells us that Jesus and Moses and Elijah... They're talking about what Jesus is going to do in Jerusalem. So they're talking about, and maybe even encouraging Jesus. This is, you're going, you're doing the right thing. And they're encouraging Jesus on the path that he's about to suffer and what he's fixing to go through. Now people will like to say, what else, why, why else were these two people chosen? I can't really tell you. I'll give you some reasons. Uh, maybe because uh, Moses represented the Old Testament. And so when they would say the, the, the law and the prophets, Moses is the one who wrote the law. So maybe that's why Moses is chosen. So they, uh, he, he represents the Old Testament law. Um, why Elijah? Well, Elijah represents the prophets and the protector of the law. And so maybe that's why they, these two show up. We're not really sure why else. It could be another reason such as... Um, they had weird deaths. You remember Moses? He's up on the side of the mountain. He's overlooking the, the promised land. And How does he die? The only person who shows up at his funeral is God. God is the only one. God takes him, and God is the one who buries him so that nobody else would know who, where Moses would, would be buried. That's a strange funeral, isn't it? God only. Maybe it was Elijah's death and his, his weirdness. You remember, he didn't really die, did he? He's walking along with God, and next thing you know, you see a fireball coming out of heaven going, oh, this is not going to be good. And then you realize it's a horse, and it's a chariot, and it comes right down in front of you. Get on. You want me to get on a fiery chariot? Seriously? That doesn't even work for me, right? Yeah, get on. And he climbs on the fiery chariot, and he's taken off, and he never dies. I'm not sure why these two were chosen, but they're chosen. And they're standing there, and they're talking. And they stand there and they talk and they talk. We don't know how long they talk. They talk. And you got Peter, James, and John. Have you ever met a famous person? Have you really ever met a famous person? In those moments, you kind of have that awestruck, ooh, wow. I remember when I was in high school, I wanted to see Michael Jordan play basketball, all right? 
So um, we come down from Amarillo, the Texas Panhandle area, and we come down, and um, the Bulls were going to be playing the Mavericks. And so we, we come into town, and we go over here, and it was Reunion Arena, so we go into Reunion Tower in that area. And as I'm walking around, there was a Jamal Mashburn. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Now, I'm, um, I'm a kid, so I run over, and I have to get his autograph, and we're finding everything. And I'm just standing there just kind of, this is awesome. This is my first famous person to really ever meet. And I can only imagine Peter, James, and John in this moment when, when they see Elijah. That's Elijah. That's really Elijah. How does he act alive? I, I, this doesn't even make sense. Moses, that's the dude. That's the dude that came out of the promised land. That's the man. That's the man who wrote all the, old te- the first five books of the Old Testament. That's amazing. That's the guy. Can you imagine the moment of just being an awestruck? I've heard about him. I've heard about him. That's, that's him. And then there's this moment, okay, they're still talking. They're still talking. Well, they're still talking. And then, then you get these guys who are a little bit on the aggressive side, right? They, they're, they're a little bit impatient. They don't know how to sit still very long. Maybe you have a kid like this, or maybe that's you. You don't know, really know how to sit. You're always just constantly moving. The legs are going, and you're not really sure what to do. And, and Peter, James, and John, they're sitting there. They're going, okay, what do we do? And, and Peter immediately interrupts, Jesus! You catch it? He interrupts, is what it says. He interrupts and says, hey, Jesus, I got a great idea. I got a great idea. Let's build, let's build some tents. Let's make this moment last. Let's camp out. That's, of course, what you're supposed to do in the mountains anyway, right? Let's camp out. Let's put the tents up, and I'll make one for Moses. I'll make one for Elijah. And Jesus, I'll make one for you. Let's just make this thing last. Now, during this time, it's probably in, in our month of October, so you have the festivities of the, the booths. The, it's a celebration where all the, the Israelites, the Jews, they would come out of their homes and they would live in a tent for a week to celebrate and to remember the wilderness. And so they would live in a tent to remember the wilderness and how that God provided. So maybe Peter's uh, referencing, hey, let's celebrate the, the, the booths, the, the tabernacle. Let's, let's celebrate this at this moment. Let's do that. This will be great. So I'll make the tents, and you guys just stay, and this is going to be a great opportunity. He interrupts the conversation. Now, think about it for just a moment. When your kids interrupt you, sometimes there's moments when that's like hellfire coming out of me, right? When the kids interrupt, you're going, time out. Ah, this is not your conversation. Time out. Peter interrupts Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Elijah's the one who called fire down from heaven. This is just hilarious to me because, wait a minute, Peter, you're dumb. That's just dumb. He jumps up, he's excited, and instead of enjoying the moment, instead of listening and being in awe, he speaks and he goes into action. You see that? I will build. And he makes it about what he's going to do instead of about being in the presence of Jesus. You catch that? He makes it about him and what he can do instead of being in the moment with Jesus and this miraculous moment where Jesus is displaying all of his glory. Here we go. So here's what happens. So as Peter is speaking, now look at verse 5. And he was still speaking. So it's, it's like Peter is continuing to talk. Now Luke says it this way. 
Luke says that when Peter spoke, he had no clue what he was saying. Don't you like that? The doctor, that's a polite way of saying he's stupid. He's an idiot. That's the doctor saying he has no idea when to shut up. And so here we go, watch. So as he continues to speak, so he's not even, he's still speaking. A cloud comes over. A cloud comes over the sky, over the, the mountain. And it's reminiscent of, do you remember Moses going back up to the, on the side of the mountain, getting the Ten Commandments? When Moses went up the mountain, the, the mountain was filled with smoke and fire. And the people were so scared. They didn't want to go up. They didn't want to even have anything to do with it. They stayed away from the mountainside because they would also be killed if they came up the mountainside. So they stayed over. And as they were over on the side, then they heard thundering and lightning. And they saw God's presence being manifested through the cloud. And as Peter's speaking, a cloud rose over the mountainside. And something supernatural happens. Look what it says. A bright cloud showered them, and a voice from the cloud said. Now, if in the Old Testament, when God spoke, the people of Israel, they heard it as if it was thunder. So God now interrupts Peter. Okay, a few, chap- a few verses earlier, what did we see Jesus say to Peter? Peter, you're Satan. Get behind me, right? And now Peter's speaking again, and as Peter's speaking, now God is saying, shut up. <laughs> At some point you would think he would learn. Back off, Peter. Now, now listen. Action and speaking is fantastic. There are moments when God calls you to action and there are moments when God calls you to speak. And in just a few months, after Jesus' death and his resurrection, who is going to be the spokesman? It's going to be Peter. It's going to be Peter who actually preaches and and thousands come to know Jesus Christ. So there's great times and there's great moments where you need to go into action and you need to speak. There's moments for that. And there's also these moments where you just need to be quiet and to hear what God is trying to say. And so here we are. God says, Peter, back off. Be quiet. And here's what he says. This is my beloved son. I love the fact that the Heavenly Father... Make sure you are clear about the identity of Jesus. Jesus is not just some good teacher. If you didn't catch it when he's glowing, that he's God, then maybe you'll catch it when the Father says, the Heavenly Father says, this is my son. Now let's be real clear. As humans, when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, then you are called the son or the daughter of God, correct? But you are adopted into the family. You are not the essence of God. Does it make sense? And what God is making very clear. This is my son of my very essence of divinity. He is God. He is my son. And I am. What's he say next? Man, I'm pleased with him. He's a good boy. He is a good boy. Listen to him. Stop talking. Listen to him. Now just as a side note. We could preach this later some other time. But as a side note, if you're a dad or you're a mom, can I just draw your attention to the Heavenly Father's example here? The greatest words that your kids can ever hear from you is that you're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm so glad you're my son, you're my daughter, and I am pleased with you and I love you. I am pleased that you are my son, that you are my daughter. 
I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and we've talked or we've sat at Starbucks or we've sat at other places and you hear these grown men, grown ladies talk about how they wish their dad or their mom would say those words. And they can be 20 years old, 30 years old, and they're still trying to prove. And there's men who are out there working their tail ends off and they're, they're workaholics and they're trying to prove that they're worth something. And they're trying to get daddy's approval or a mom's approval. And you're, you're still wanting, and it's 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, even 70 years old, and you've never heard those words. So if you are a dad, if you're a mom at this moment, can I just encourage you, follow the Heavenly Father's example. Let your kids know that you're proud of them, that you love them, and you are well pleased with who they are and what they're doing. Let them know. Don't miss the opportunity. So God speaks. And God speaks, and as he says, these are great things. As God was speaking, look what happens. Verse 6. When the disciples heard this, they did what? They celebrated. Yay, God's here. Now they fell on their faces and were terrified. In our culture, when we have become so casual with God, and there's nothing wrong with singing about God being our friend, and he's a friend, that's true. But please don't ever lose the fact that you are talking about the Almighty. And when the disciples were in the presence of Almighty, they could do nothing else but fall, and they were terrified. They were in awe. Don't lose track. When you come in praying and you're asking God for things and you're praying and you're asking God to show up, don't forget you're coming into the presence of God. Don't take it so, so lightly that the God of the universe allows you to come into his presence. It is an amazing, gracious act of God to let you come into his presence. It's an amazing moment. They fall on their face and they're afraid. And then look what Jesus does. Do you see it? Jesus doesn't condemn them. Jesus doesn't yell at them. He doesn't scream at them. Jesus does what? He comes over and he touches them. He says, it's okay, guys. I love my Jesus. Because in the moments of my fear and my greatest anxiety and my stress, my Jesus comes to me and he says, Heath, I love you. And he touches and he brings them up and he says, come on, I've got you. I know what you need. I've got you. I've got you. You're in my, you're, you're safe. You're with me. You're safe. You're with me. And they stand up and the moment's gone. Do you see it? The moment's gone. Everybody's disappeared. The flash from the past is over. And now the disciples are going, I have no idea what to say. They're coming down the mountain, and they're confused. They're confused. Jesus, man, we just, we don't understand. We're so confused. We're confused. We thought you were the Messiah who's going to come, and now you're saying you're going to die. And now you, you show up, and you're glowing. And that's just kind of twilight zone weird. We're not really sure what to do with that. You're glowing, and you got... People from the past that we thought were really dead, but they're alive, and now here they are. That was, we're not sure what's going on. Matter of fact, we thought Elijah was coming back. We just saw him. Does that mean it's starting now? What's going on? See, here's what's happening. Their faith is just, 
they have this incredible experience, but their faith is so rocky and shaky, and they're not really sure what to do with this all. And maybe there's this moment in your personal life that you've looked around and you're going, man, I was following God. I'm doing what God has called me to do, and yet I'm not sure. It just doesn't seem to work. It's not putting together, and you're just confused. You're confused because God hasn't shown up in the way you thought he would show up. And then when he shows up, you're going, I just don't even know how to interpret what he just said. I wish God would speak, and then you feel like he speaks, and you're going, but God, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I heard. I'm missing it all. Have you been there? Have you been there where God just doesn't quite answer the way you, and it's just confusing. And they're saying, there's Elijah. That was weird. So, We've, 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 we've heard and we've taught and we've, we've, we've seen in the Old Testament how that it was prophesied that Elijah was going to come back and make things and he was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. That's what we remember. But Jesus, now our mind is just blown and we're not sure how to handle this information. And what does Jesus do? He goes back to the Old Testament and he says this. What you've heard, Elijah's coming, it's true. One of the greatest things that you need to hear and one of the greatest things that I need to hear is when my faith is shaken and it's moving and you're not quite sure what to do with it, you go back to the promises of the Bible. You go back to the promises and every time you go back, guess what Jesus is saying here? You heard it. It was written. It's been taught about. You go back to those promises because it's guaranteed it's happening. Matter of fact, matter of fact, guys, Elijah it's true. He's coming back. Oh, wait. It already happened. It already happened. Look what he says. It's already happened. And you didn't recognize it. Everybody else didn't recognize it. Elijah came back. Now, Elijah wasn't coming back as a reincarnated, reincarnation of himself. It was his prophetic ministry. It was this, this speaking. It was the, the spirit of Elijah coming back. And, and it was on John the Baptist. It's already been here. And you've missed it. It was misinterpreted. Nobody quite understood it. But it's already happened. And the Bible was fulfilled right before your very eyes. And you know him. John the Baptist. It's happened. And then he comes back and he says, so it's true. So guys, one more time. I'm going to suffer. That's the plan. It's the cross. I'm going there and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Okay, so where do we go from here? How do we wrap this up? Let me wrap it up by giving you three simple points. Three simple prayers that really, I, as I walked through the passage, these were the prayers that I had. I said, God, would you increase my faith? And then I had three simple statements that kind of went along with it. So I'll give you those. Hopefully that helps you as we walk through it. Maybe God spoke to you in some other areas. But here's the three that I, I wrote down. I wrote down, first of all, that God, please increase my prayer. So that I would see a glimpse of Jesus. I, I, need, I need to see a glimpse of Jesus. That's what I need. You want your faith to be stronger? You need a glimpse of Jesus. It starts, first of all, by just knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Have you trusted him? Have you truly given your life to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you done it? If you have not ever done it, today the invitation is for you. Anybody who would call on the name of Jesus shall be what? Saved. That's it. It starts there. For others, maybe you've trusted Jesus. 
And maybe your faith is just kind of, it's a little shaken. And maybe it's just anemic. Maybe you haven't, it's not really been fed. You haven't stepped out on faith in a long time. Maybe it's just, you've just been going through the motions. And maybe what it is, is that you're needing to see Jesus afresh and new. You need to see a clear vision of who Jesus is and his glory. Billy Graham was once asked, how do you know Jesus is real? That's a good question, isn't it? How do you know Jesus is real? And so his answer was a simple story. He says, I know Jesus is real. Let me tell you the story, and that way it will help you. He said, there was a little boy who was flying his kite out on a hillside. As he's flying his kite, he was enjoying the day. The wind was blowing just right, and the kite was flying. It was a beautiful day. He said, and as he was out there, a cloud came over the, the hill. And as the cloud came over, it covered the kite. And a man walked by and said, son, what are you doing? The little boy looked up and said, I'm flying my kite. And the man looked up and he says, well, I don't see your kite. How do you know it's there? And the little boy said, I know it's there because I can feel it tugging on my string. And then Billy Graham responded. He says, I know Jesus is real because I can feel him tugging in my heart. What I need more of is what Paul pushed us toward constantly, to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I need a fresh glimpse. And when your faith is weak, you need a fresh glimpse of who Jesus is. It will radically shift your entire perspective to see who Jesus really is. Number two, here's the next prayer. So Jesus, or to God, God, would you increase my faith? Give me a fresh glimpse of Jesus. And then the second one was this. God, help me not to speak or act too quickly. Help me not to speak or act too quickly. Where I miss the moment. Help me to truly bask in your glory and not just be moved to build for your glory. There's a big difference. And there's moments and times where you should build and you should go into action and you should speak. But God, I pray that you'd help me to learn what it means to simply stop and be in the presence. Increase my faith. Number three, my prayer was that God would increase my faith by helping me recognize the movement and the plan of God. I was truly convicted by this when I walked through this. That prophecy and God's movement was happening right in front of the disciples and right in front of all the religious leaders. And they never even realized it. And let's be honest. You ready? Our God's not dead. Our God is not so transcendent that he doesn't interact with us. He actually interacts with people all the time. And our God is working in our schools. Our God's working in our dorms. Our God is working at our jobs. Our God is working in our neighborhoods. Our God is working in people's lives all around. Lord, help me. Help me to see where you're working. Help me to see where you're moving. Increase my faith enough so that I can see it and I can recognize it by your hand and not just, oh, yeah, no big deal. Because I desperately want to be doing what God's called us to do and where God is working and moving, I want to be a part. So give me the faith enough to see it. Increase my faith. Give us a fresh glimpse of your glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we give you praise, we give you glory, and we say thank you.
Thank you for how you've moved. Thank you for how you continue to work. I'm asking that you would show up. Speak to us. Give us the courage now to respond. In Jesus' precious name. 